and a one and a two and a three. Baby this conscious ambition podcast is here and it's live but um bum bum and I it's ambitious joshua mendes ambitious. this is jathan cowies we prepared a little song for you today hey hey this is the little intro. It's the beginning of the podcast. It's not going to be the same next week because we don't do that shit that everyone else fucking does where it's just the same intro every fucking Ba-dum, week and it's boom, fucking bullshit. Boom, you know, it's the same fucking shit. That's a little fucking stupid music. And you're here with the I'm not gonna fucking do that shit, you know. I'm gonna do something different every oh, week. Today was a baby on board. Next week, uh, next week could be bananas in pajamas. and rhapsody, bananas and pajamas. The Hitler theme. It could be anything, but I vow to you that I'm not gonna do this the same thing next week. It well, be, we need to learn the North Korean national anthem. Different. I already know it actually. Do you? Yeah. Who wrote it? Pop quiz. Uh, wasn't it? Uh, I think it was Freddie Mercury, wasn't it? Yeah, good guy. Good guy doing that for Kim Jong-un. Yeah. Um, was it, is it Kim Jong-un back then? Kim Jong-un is yeah, so the when current was Freddie one. Mercury Kim, Kim Jong-il, I so, believe hang on, it was. 1985. Huh? We, let's just estimate a year, 1985. Was it Kim Jong-un hanging around in 1985? I believe Kim Jong-un is the current leader of the so Kim Jong North Korean Il. Demo- Kim Jong- socialist Democratic. I don't fucking don't know anymore. Republic. That's uh, so much. Kim Kim Jong Kim Jong Kim Jong Il, I believe, was the past uh, premier who was the of North Korea. Who was um? What's it called? Who was? Have um, you voted today? No. Nah. Who are you going to vote for today? No idea. I'll figure it out when I walk in. Are you planning on voting for Dan Andrews or anyone similar to him? I really am oblivious to what I do in there and the impact that it has. So I, I really don't know. I'll, I'll, I, yeah, I usually go in and just, um, just figure it out on the fly. Yeah, right. I wonder how many. <laughs> I wonder how many young Australians do that. I feel like m- there are more and more uh, politically aware young Australians uh, than potentially there were. Who should I vote? Who should I vote for? Well, I don't really know much about politics, but I believe <laughs> I believe the two uh, main options are your Matthew Guy's and your your Dan Andrews's. Is Matthew Guy the one that they're putting on? Matthew Guy is a guy that uh, represents the Liberal Party of Victoria. Oh, and I think they're putting it up like I oh, cut TAFEs and he cut funding for this and he cut this and that and he looks um, like a real politician, as do so many of them. Yes. God, they uh, suck. I don't think much. uh, To be honest, I don't know anything about Matthew Guy. I've seen a photo of him, so I know he what he looks like. He reminds me of my year five teacher. Bit straight edge. Relationship like with your. your He was alright. Just, just fucking whatever. Right. Could he have been your year five teacher? No, I feel like he could have brainwashed me a lot more if he was. Not in a good way. Right. 
Don't know if our of humor is our strong suit. I think it is. I think we. I think we. Man, we could talk some mad shit. We could. We certainly could. Whether it would be as funny or not, or not, I don't know. As yeah. entertaining as our uh, nuanced, authentic conversation, I'm not sure. Yeah, that's true. But just like anything else, it's a skill to develop. Okay. Well, you, you know what? Here's your opportunity. You've always wanted to have a humorous conversation with me on this podcast. What He's do you think the last five minutes have been? Very un... Well, the political stuff, no. But b- before that was all right. Was it? Yeah, I thought so. Oh. Uh, all right, so humor. Um, two men walk into a bar. Yes. One says to the other, I like this bar. Yes. What do you make of the second? What do I make of the second? Yeah. <laughs> well, this is the truth. <laughs> You're asking me... Do I, am I saying, <laughs> am I meant to complete the punchline? <laughs> oh, you know, like the best humor for me is one that just makes me laugh. I was thinking about that up in Queensland. Yeah, but what was that? Was that a joke that... <laughs> yeah, I don't to, know. I, I, I took... To, I meant to fill in the blanks? I, yeah, pretty much. Like I took the original joke of a man walks into a bar and I'm like, no, nah, there's going to be two in this, in this situation. And then after that, I'm like, well, I don't have much. So... I'm just going to start asking questions from this here on out. Yeah, right. It's an interesting way to go about humor and jokes. Yeah, it makes me laugh. I'm fucking happy when it's like that. I was, I was, um, I was telling a joke to Margot when I was driving in Queensland. I just made myself laugh and I'm like, I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm just imagining like an interactive stand-up comedian where the, the, they allow the, the crowd to complete the punchlines. <laughs> well, let me. Yeah, you'd have to be pretty switched on, would you? I don't know. It requires not as much effort. It's sort of an easy job where you you set up the joke and then you allow for the punchlines to be completed. I don't. I don't know how that would work. In fact, I, mean, I, don't, I, I don't like what I'm talking about. Now. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I feel like dissecting comedy is a bad idea. <laughs> I feel like maybe we shouldn't go any, anywhere near comedy. Maybe we should leave comedy to the uh, comedists out there. Which Have we, a, which we okay, let's draw, let's draw the line in the sand for now. I'm, I'm sure people want to chime in or listen in to what we usually... Does a, does a stand-up, a comedian, yeah, not a comedist. Why aren't they called comedists? Sounds a lot like communist. You know, I feel like the English language is like that. When I've explained it to Margaret, I'm like, you can actually get a little... Um, creative with the English language we can kind of make up words and they eventually become relevant isn't Google Google's officially a word I mean not that that's creative but I mean it's just a what it was made to be a word or to Google something well it was already a word before the. so to Google ah to Google goggle so goggle would have been a word to goggle at something but Google is now like probably recognised globally is like oh if if you google something yeah you jump on a the google surfing platform and this is a fucking massive tangent as well yeah it's not one that i really want to no continue with josh and hi josh and hi hi have had a wonderful trip in queensland each me josh josh i no joshua mendes yes tis i and me, Joshua Lendies. Tis you. That's me. Otherwise known as Ethan Cowies formerly. 
Yes. Um, and I felt somewhat recharged, but also I felt a little, I don't know, maybe sensitive or about the weather when I came back and about life in Melbourne when I came back. And uh, I will have to admit a little overwhelmed by the whole adventure that lies in front of me that will ensue. And um, I'm really excited to be moving up there. I think that's something that Margaret and I just pretty much set our sights on now. We're going to move up to Queensland. It's weird to say it, actually. Sounds like you're going to move up to Queensland as well. Does sound like it. Does sound like it. I drove home yesterday from the Central Coast and I'd previously been in Queensland and I was thinking about how I would really love to move there as soon as possible. Hang on, Central Coast or Queensland? Well, originally I was driving home from Queensland because I spent time in Queensland and then I was on the way home and stopped. Yeah, but which one do you want to move to? Oh, Queensland. Sunshine Coast, specifically. I'm pretty sure. And uh, I don't know if I want to wait a long time. Mm. The dilemma is is that my girlfriend, Katerina, Katerina Skenderini, is... <laughs> uh, you know Skenderini's going to stick longer than Skenderasi. I, I will eventually forget that. I'm sure her name will eventually be changed to Skenderini. Skenderini Mendes. And in time, I'll be known as Josh Skenderini as well. Yeah, you should take on her last name. Eventually, you'll be Ethan Skenderini. I'm cool for that. I like it. We can all be Skenderinis. Okay. Uh, what's the deal with your girlfriend? Uh, she is working. She is currently working right at this moment. And also she's working during this period of time, the summer period. And uh, she's a bit... Well, she, I guess she doesn't want to quit. She doesn't want to stop working there uh, in order to move to Queensland just yet. She wants to wait until April because... Well, that's one reason. And then the other reason, which is probably the main reason, is her parents are coming in about just under two months. Sorry, just under three months. They're coming to Melbourne. And she wants to be in Melbourne when they're here. She doesn't want to move to Queensland in the next two months and then have have them have to come to Melbourne and Sunny Coast or whatever. How long are they here for? Three months. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. So, you're kind of looking at moving out of Melbourne in early May. Yeah, April at the April at the earliest. If I if I wait for her entering back into the gloom. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. By that time, Fuck yeah. Melbourne Which would be a good time to move to the Sunshine Coast, but it's. Got nothing, a, yeah. It's got nothing to do with that. You know, the reason why I want to get out of here is because when I was there, I felt so fucking free. I really felt like the people that I was around, I resonated with a lot. But I guess it's more, it's, it's more than that. It's, it's more just being away from everybody here that I know. Because it's like, if I was, if I lived in Brisbane... And I had a bunch of people in Brisbane that I felt like 
were, that I, and I felt like they were living very different lives to me in that they were all about work and money and uh, houses and all, all the shit that I think can come later and isn't about living a happy life. Then I could probably live to move to Melbourne in search for a more spiritual life, I'm sure. But because I live in Melbourne and I'm, I've spent so much time and my foundations come from a community and multiple communities where the I guess what's important in life, what's seemingly important in life, is very different. I feel like I want to get out. I feel like I want to move to another place and. It doesn't even have to be a spiritual place. It's like getting out of getting out of somewhere so you can move to another community that is that where you can specifically look and find uh people that resonate and aren't going to judge for how I want to live my life. And it's not even like I'm judged obviously here, but it's subtle but it still has a big effect on how proud I am of myself and how proud I am of the way I want to live my life. Yes. Yeah, man. Um, <clears throat> yeah, shit. Uh, I listened to your recording of that mm. in yesterday morning. Uh, Josh sent me a 12 and a half minute recording, I think. Oh, what was it like 12 minutes and then another six minutes? Uh, expressing this idea that he's just explained. And um, it really resonated with me. Also because I'd actually kind of prompted it initially with how I felt coming back into Melbourne. But then particularly yesterday, having reflected on some comments by Margot, actually, my wife... Um, and thinking about how Melbourne is this kind of rat race. It's very present here. Actually, I had, I had a guy even send me a four and a half minute long voice message yesterday who I'm friends with who was like, yeah, there is a rat race here. I mean, he just kind of mentioned it in passing. And, and I just thought it's like that in a city, not by anyone's fault, but it's just naturally like that, like in a more densely populated place. All throughout the world, the competition and the saturation of businesses makes it harder to live here or it just makes it more expensive. You feel the density of population, the traffic, the fixation on money here. I mean, I'll, t I'll mention this, like when Margot's mom came over, we were having this conversation when we were in Queensland with the Mexicans we stayed with. Uh, when Margot's mum came over in July this year, June, July, when the baby was born, she mentioned, Margot, you've changed. You f you, you're different. You feel a little different. You're not quite as warm. Um, and not only that, but, you know, where I can see it's just like the fixation and prioritization of like finance beyond everything else. It is different and i think it's the rat race mm. and i can feel it i can feel like that dreariness you know when people go to queensland you're like oh they're just moving so much slower and you make fun of it mm. it's like i'm thinking about it now i'm like that's a good thing fuck 
Like, yeah, they're moving slow because they don't need to move fast because life doesn't necessitate it there. Mm. Yeah, you're touching on something really interesting here. And it's it's funny because if you asked people in Melbourne, you know, just the, even a lot of the people we know, why are you working so hard? Why are you always in a rush? You know, their answer would be like, yeah, that's just the way I choose to live my life. Well, like that's that, the way, that, yeah, this is was, normal. That was my, that's my choice. I, I, I want to live like that. Mm. But the funny thing is, is that people don't really consider how much they take on the energy of the city that they live in and then the, the, therefore the people that they surround themselves with. Whereas if the same people went and lived in the, let's say the Sunshine Coast or Byron Bay, their lives would be a lot slower just because of the people that they surround themselves with. And I feel it. As soon as I come back into Melbourne, and I, and I can't help but be affected by it, because even if I don't leave my house, I'm living with Katerina, who goes to work and is surrounded by people that are moving quickly, and they're, mo- they're moving towards something, and they got to be there fast. And then her fam, well, her sister and partner is uh, they're the, they're the same in that regard so it's impossible for me to not be affected by that that energy that fast moving energy and and yeah when you come back from a place like the sunshine coast where people are really living and i mean living in that they're the priorities not for everybody but for the the vast majority of people to enjoy life and find purpose in life and have conf- have conversations around how can one live a really amazing life? Money is sort of an afterthought. Yeah. I, I hardly had any conversations about money when I was up there. And you know, and, and most people I spoke to were doing pretty well with money and, and probably a lot better than a lot of the people that I know down here who it's like a focus. It's, yeah, I work hard and I, I, have, a, I have a full-time job and I have a career and I'm planning for this and I'm planning for that. But they're actually making less money <laughs> and they're, and they're living a lower quality, like more stressful life. Yeah. Well being is compromised as a result. Absolutely. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say is it's so interesting what you said about what Margot's mom said to Margot. Cause I feel the same thing has, has happened with Katerina and her sister where you'd think that they come from a family where, they, they're really stressed out about money and they're working hard. And yeah, they do, but it seems like it's sort of the other way around where they really place an importance on having a nice, relaxed, uh, calm life where it's their values are, are really important. This is back in Greece. This is back in Greece and then from Al- even Albania <clears throat> before that because Katarina's parents keep telling her, like, stop working so hard. Yeah, really. Relax. Yeah, what are you? What are you doing? Like you're young and enjoy your life. Uh, and it's so funny how, even though they came from that culture where in Greece it is more relaxed, it is it is slower. People take their time to advance their careers. Mm. Even th- even though they came, Canarina uh, and her sister came from that. A few years of being in Melbourne has convinced them <laughs> that that's what they want. Like that's that's the way they need to be mm. to to get places quickly. It's 
it's it's hard developing this sense and you'll resonate with this where it's on reflection or, or you can't place your finger on it but it's like a sixth sense of of a sensation you're having uh, of energy that you're picking up on and it does feel different when you for you what it would have been like in moving into big spaces, big open spaces between here and actual Queensland and, and the cities that you stopped in where you're just in big, vast open spaces driving because that was thousands of kilometers you just drove. And in Brisbane, like, don't get me wrong, like in, in closer to the city centers or even that suburb that I was staying in, it's like, this is slower here. I can feel it, but there's starting, there still is somewhat of a palpable city energy feel. And I, I just, I'm reflecting now though that there were some crucial years back when we were doing osteo where for you, it was like a little bit after for me, it seems, but early on in our university degree, sitting on the train five days a week and starting to, me personally, like uh, dabble in psychedelics and starting to consider like what was my mind, what was my awareness around my well-being and things. And then also being on the train and watching people go in and out of the city on a daily basis and looking at their state and just having this this underlying sensation of like dread or not even dread, like despair or grey. Like without even putting a proper word to it, like if I could say the colour of the feeling was grey. And just being aware of these sensations and starting to like trust in those sensations that I'm having where it's like I can't really explain it vocally but these things that we're talking about like that it there's a sensation of it and it's funny that we're trying to use words to explain it but it does feel like that where there's so much more color and vibrance and energy to be found in other ways or walks of life or in other environments and the sensation that i get when i come back to melbourne is like <laughs> to be honest, perfectly, perfectly captured on the day we got back or the day after we got back mm. where it was just like, we just came from 30 degrees, sunny, beautiful Queensland. And the next day we're in Melbourne and it's fucking a week before it's meant to be summer, a week before it's meant to be summer and it's gray and it was cold and it even like started raining. And I'm like sending a message to Rodrigo being like, I told you this man, but down here, the the blue sky has really just, it's not been here that much. Mm. Makes a difference this morning though. I feel it like driving here. I've got a big mm. dickhead smile on my face because it's like, oh, the sun's out. Great. Yeah, everything does feel good. Everything's fine. Like I could tell you yesterday, the morning gray and then by the time it was actually moving into the afternoon and it started getting sunny. I don't know if it's just a coincidence. But I start feeling a bit better. I mean, that's just a side note, but... Mm, yeah. Weather is great. Weather does make a difference, absolutely. But I want to speak about the influence of old ties. And people that have been in our lives that influence, influence us to be in a certain way that we that we don't want to I'm sp that we don't want to be I'm speaking in riddles I'll be more, more more specific I feel like 
as soon as I came back, I woke up this morning and I felt so different this morning compared to how I felt the last couple of weeks, especially the last seven days, last eight days when I was by myself. I was traveling by myself and I was waking up every morning without any need to be anybody, any need to do anything, uh, any need to make any money. You know, everything was just all good. Like whatever I did during that day was was fine. But then as soon as I get back here, there's this there's this feeling that I need to wake up and do something. And it's not even not it's not even that I had to do something. It's that I had to not do nothing. And any time doing nothing was wasted. Even though the funny thing is that the last eight days, seemingly I've been doing nothing in that I haven't been forcing myself to do, to go anywhere, to do anything. But I've been, I was super busy. I spent a lot of time with cool people. I spent a lot of time looking after myself. So in the, in the not having anything to do, I really ended up enjoying myself and, and keeping really busy, enjoying doing things that I really enjoy. But then as soon as I come back here, there's this feeling that I need to force myself to do something. And I wonder how much of that is to do with, well, living here for a year already and, and having the influences surrounding me affect affect how I live in this in this house whether it's Katarina whether it's the people that influence Katarina whether it's my family whether it's just the fact that I know I'm in Melbourne and there's this subconscious part of me that's saying Josh you need to be somebody you need to make money you need to if you're not going to make money if you're not going to gamble you need to Start moving in a direction that's going to be making you money. You need to start moving in a direction where you're going to start being a leader. Something. Do something. You can't afford to sit around and and do nothing. Hmm. But then in doing that, I end up doing less. Less in terms of what I want to do. Because I know that if I start forcing myself to do things, I end up doing things in a way that are contrived and not don't feel authentic to me because when I feel the most authentic it's when I am being lazy in that I am waiting I'm waiting for things to arise in me and waiting for things to arise out there and it's funny when I go into that state shit just starts to happen and when I start to force things, maybe shit happens for a, a small period, but it, it always comes undone eventually. And then I'm just, another thought is like, I'm comparing myself to, to people who are forcing things, but the only way they get by is through coffee or through alcohol or through anger or, or they're just generally unhappy all the time. And that's who I'm comparing myself to. And it's upsetting to me because that life is, has such an amazing facade. That life of, of achievement, 
of forcing yourself to be somebody, it has some charm to it. <laughs> mm. And uh, and it's easy to feel like that's the way to go about things. But then, yeah, I go back to it. I spend time away. I spend time around people who are just chilling out in absolutely no rush. And I spend time with them and I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, no, this is this is what feels better. And these people have, have it figured out. They're actually doing better in every facet than these people. I feel like I'm surrounded by in Melbourne. I can't, <clears throat> I can't help but want to almost recognize is the grass greener on the other side or is it because the vacation goggles are on? But I think that's an oversimplification and I actually don't think it does justice to the idea that, or it's fair to the idea of what you're talking about because I... I get it, what you're talking about. I agree. Um, everyone's in on it, hey? What you're talking about, the the facade. Well, not... I don't, I, I don't know. Well, not everyone, but, you know, a lot of the people that you're talking... Like, as in, you come back here and you get this sense that all the relationships that you have with a lot of these people a lot of the people you're talking about, they're running this facade and particularly in communities of it, then everyone's convincing themselves that the facade is the reality that is to be it's, adhered to or to be yeah, it's like a, And it's alluring as well. Yeah, I, yeah, I get it because it, it's almost like um, <laughs> without just saying you should move up to Queensland and go take a year off in amongst your life which how many people have that opportunity, but I could say that to my mum and my dad and my brothers and I don't know, so-and-so and each one of them would be like, well, I can't move or I'm not going to move, but they find different ways of managing a lifestyle here that don't necessarily seem that healthy. But I mean, I'm talking about myself as well and I have my own, crutches that I would look at and be like these are the things these are the crutches that I've I've fallen onto like vaping like smoking marijuana sometimes or um having a beer every so often or drinking coffee yes and if I was to be really truly honest I'd be like well I don't think any of them are that beneficial but I also recognize how helpful and enjoyable they are in a life here that can seem stressful at moments, mm. if not create an underlying current of stress and anxiety mm. that I think is palpable for a lot of people, even if they couldn't admit it. Mm. It's almost like maybe you get numbed out to it. But I, like I said, I could. It's funny the way that people convince themselves that maybe Melbourne is a better place to live or Sydney over a smaller city but I look at it now I'm like you really might not be able to consider the detriment it is creating for your life or to your well-being by moving to those places if it is for opportunity of work or money I actually don't agree that 
the cities are themselves are the problems. I think it's the people you spend time with. I really believe that you could move to Byron Bay, for example, and spend time around people that are just constantly stressed and constantly going after it. That's a good And then point. you could move to Melbourne yeah. and find a community of people who are just chilled out yeah. and living. To me, that's my version of an of an awesome life where they're, you know, blissed out all the time and they're still doing things, but you know, in their own time. So I. I and and when I say when I talk about moving away from Melbourne, I actually, I don't think there's anything wrong with Melbourne. I I don't have a problem with Melbourne. I guess, guess this has been my realization recently. It's not Melbourne, and it's not even the, it's not even the people. It's just the associations. I have. With the people that I surround myself with, and then it is the people that I sur- surround myself with, because it's like. The people that I surround myself with now are just, a lot of them are just a continuation of my childhood and my childhood was forced upon me. You know, the school I went to, even the friends I had, I I, I, I got to choose friends within my school, but even within that, you know, all the parents were living lives in a pretty specific way um, and therefore the kids end up living their lives in a pretty specific way so i didn't really have too much of a choice about the community that i uh found myself in after after childhood and i guess i still feel like i'm in that community and you probably feel the same in a lot of ways i'm, I'm yeah i'm I guessing mean, what, yeah. and um and it's and it's and it's almost like anyone you meet unless you go really outside of your community anyone you meet that's close to it you know, even if it's through university, even it's even if it's through work, uh, you're not really shifting too far away from the people that you were associating with as a kid or as a as a teenager. I think what you're touching on for me is that it's so it's complicated. It's complicated the the idea I think that we're talking about or that you're talking about and that it's cultural, it's relationship-based, it's community-based, it's the activities that you choose to involve yourself with, it's the social media you choose to interact with, it's the pastimes or jobs, like there's so many elements that go into creating creating the phenomenon that we're kind of talking about here and yeah i think you're right as well with the comment it's not so much the city but it's the people that you surround yourself with it almost feels like it goes both ways though it but i was going to say before as well actually it almost seems like maybe in, in a city environment though because of the the close proximity that people are existing within it's more infectious the 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 potential for to feel stressed and hurried up and like things have to be moving faster or that you should be making more money or i don't know i can feel it here maybe it just feels more palpable to me in like closely more densely populated cities 
I wanted to make this comment earlier, but and I think I have maybe in a prior podcast, but there's this um, analogy that I've been creating that how Melbourne and maybe Sydney have starting to become like the LA, like the Los Angeles of of Australia, because my impression of Los Angeles is that it was this city that has started just losing control. It's just started becoming more and more and more overpopulated and all these like the price of living or cost of living there is so much more than it used to be and it's not worthwhile and I mean a a funny one for me is like how Joe Rogan used to live in Los Angeles like he talks about it in his podcast and he's like yeah I had to get the fuck out of there because it doesn't seem like it's worth living in there anymore and I just think about that and I'm like isn't it funny that some city that is used to be so like worldwide have this worldwide uh, famousness or, or like um, allure to it is becoming this place that seems so like chaotic now and so unappealing and so busy and it's just taken on a life of its own and it's, it's inevitable for any large city that just starts to grow and grow and... I don't know, I think about that for Melbourne when I drive around in the traffic. I'm like, more and more and more people are going to come in here who are brought on by the allure of money and it's going to create further competition and increase the cost of living and the cost of properties and so on and so forth. And there are people who are coming from even more chaotic cities on the planet coming to Melbourne thinking this is great and this is fine, but having been a young person who's grown up here, it's like this thing is running away it's just becoming more and more chaotic and there's nothing to really stop it. And I wonder how many young Australian or young Melbournians kind of feel the same way. They're like, if I was to be really honest, this place is a lot busier than I knew, like that I remember back in circa 2000, circa the late 90s. That's how Adelaide felt to me. I told you that, I think. Adelaide felt like Melbourne did maybe late 90s, early 2000. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tangent. Yeah. I feel like a few weeks ago I was thinking the same. I was thinking, yeah, Melbourne is just too busy and too fast moving for me. Or at least the pockets that we live in, maybe. Yeah. But uh, on this drive home, I really started to think about it because through removing myself from community for a period and being in, you know, solitude, relative solitude for a while, it removed that veil that inflicts me when I'm in Melbourne. And then when I was returning to Melbourne, the veil arose again and I could, and I could see it. And it's, and it's actually and and the veil looked like individual people not like a city you know like there were it looked like a a group of people in my life that i feel like i have to keep fighting against in order to be myself in order to do life the way i want to do it yeah that's funny that that is pretty powerful what you're saying i can really resonate with that 
and I and and I would say I would suggest that a lot of people that move away from the city that they grew up in they're looking for that they're looking for that veil to be lifted totally totally not from the city necessarily but just there's a there's a group of people around probably from the from probably from one's childhood cuz yeah i mean i'll i'll try and speak honestly about that with me it's right now it's it's my family and even oh, it's my family and it's just as much Katarina's family it's my friends and whether or not they're aware of it I feel like I'm really marginalized by my perception of what they would think about me if I chose to live life like the way I really, really would like to. And then when I'm here, it's, yeah, subconsciously, I don't even realize it, but I start chasing. And that's, and then you talked about the, um, you know, the, the, um, addictive things that you do and I have the same addictive tendencies with different um, vices and it's all just escapism it's all just because I need to escape from the demands of living a life that I don't want to live I wonder if it's that simple sometimes personally I do yeah, I, I agree with you that it is definitely, it feels like an escape in a lot of elements, in a lot of ways. And I'd be curious to know what my life could look like if I was to leave, for example, caffeine and vaping behind. But I think sometimes, sorry to just take this tangent, but I think that sometimes it's, there's something a bit more to those things that we consider vices. Well, I feel like within them their desires for things that we want in our lives but we can't figure out how to get them in a sustainable way so we look for them instantaneously and i think it's to do with escape because we're not getting those things in our lives because we feel we feel trapped like i'll like for me, I guess I like masturbation, for example. I feel like when I'm in my life, I probably don't feel as free and I don't feel as relaxed. And I don't feel even as sexually gratified as I would really like to be just in, in, in the throes of my daily life. So then, because I don't feel those things, I feel a sense of being trapped, a sense of being stuck in in feeling short in all those areas. And then, then a desire arises like, okay, well, I'm not feeling it on a daily basis. How, what's a way that I can feel free? Because, you know, after you ejaculate, you feel this sense of freedom. Well, I feel this sense of freedom. Mm. Um, and then... And then feeling relaxed. Oh, well, I'll ejaculate and I'll feel relaxed. And then feeling sexual. I get to actually watch porn or I get to think of something that 
uh, where I, you know, in a way that I don't usually get to do it because I feel so suppressed. Uh, my sexuality feels so suppressed living my daily life. So what I'm going to go and masturbate and ejaculate as mm. a way of getting all of these things. The, the, the unfortunate thing is it doesn't last for very long. No. And, you just, and you're just back in the... You're just back in that cycle. Uh, lack of fulfillment in these areas from daily life and then leading to gratification of it. Yeah, isn't it funny though? You, you have this taste of like almost a... It's not virtual reality quite yet, but you get a taste of passionate sexuality in the form of people recording themselves and then posting it on the internet. And then you feel like this um, thrill. There's a thrill that I think is associated with sexual gratification like good sexual gratification like uh you know like uh alluring sexual gratification has that has that um excitement to it and i don't think actually porn really hits that spot at all you know what i'm talking about hey like the times in your life where you've had serious um exciting sexual experiences and uh it puts that pep in your step afterwards mm. uh, you mean as a, in comparison to watching porn yeah mm. yeah and i'm just yeah, saying like porn yeah, is yeah. the best that you can do without going out and with a p- sexual partner in this Maybe I can speak for both of us, but without saying, hey, by the way, uh, do you want to have an open relationship? I really feel like going out tonight and yeah. um, getting involved in an orgy or, you know, finding another girl to sleep with. But I'll come back to you, by the way. I mean, that's... Yeah, fuck, I've had multiple dreams recently about being with other women. Nice. And... Well, I told Katarina this morning, she's oh, fuck, I don't know if she's going to listen to this or not. I know she doesn't listen to the podcast. Yeah, she doesn't listen to them, so. <laughs> Maybe one day she'll, yeah, and you'll be, it'll be a pleasant surprise that she says, by the way, fuck you. I listen to your podcast. And you're like, oh, really? Yeah, well, about, about fucking time. Yeah, about. <laughs> so I, um, yeah, it was a dream about a, I was, I was having sex with a prostitute, but. I was in sort of this, it was like a workshop where I was with a prostitute and I was getting on really well with her. Good sex? I think so, but it was like a fun relationship, but I but I felt like it was wrong. Yeah. Sort of like my relationship with porn, I guess. Uh, I felt like it was wrong and then I know Katerina, oh, I was meant to be marrying Katerina in the next three months. Uh. And so I felt like this is wrong, but I still want to do it and I'm enjoying it. Uh, but yeah, it, and, and Katarina knew about it, but she's like, oh, nah, this, I don't know. About, I don't, I'm not sure that you should be doing that, but she was still like, she was still aware of it, but. Oh, and it almost fuels you're like, oh, if she's not reacting so strongly to this, then I'm, I really kind of want to keep exploring this. Sort of. Yeah. There was, there was guilt there, but there was so much attraction and fascination with the experience with the experience wow and then i had i had a sexual dream about a girl from uni that was very unexpected <laughs> right and there's no way i'm going to say her name i'll tell you in private 
Ethan, and if any listeners want to know, then you can. I've got a name in my head already. I'll be. I f- bet I'll you. I'll laugh. At I bet you. You won't get it. It's because 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 you. D- I don't find this person attractive. attractive really. At all. Oh, okay. Then right. Never mind then. Uh, Different person then. Yeah, I'm sure. And but it was so hot. The dream. Yeah. So hot. Even as I'm saying this, I'm feeling really guilty. Are you feeling a bit aroused? No, guilty. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. And I'm feeling judged as. No, more than guilt, I'm feeling judged already. Perceived judgment because I feel like if anyone listens to this, they're going to think like, you piece of shit. You fucking piece of shit. Yeah, I mean, the joke I, of it, how many people are do, having this Of experience? course, everybody. How can Everyone's, you not? How yeah. can you, and, and I feel like I'm in a, like a really free relationship where I can talk about this stuff and Katarina knows about all these different yeah, fantasies say, I have. How much worse would it be in like the majority of relationships I know where they don't feel that freedom and therefore the 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 subconscious will be playing out in dreams probably every night it's you do yeah on the outside it seems like you guys have a quite an open communicative relationship like that i uh i'm i'm quite impressed by it Mm, thank you yeah i wonder if i want to say i'm a little jealous yeah do you want to speak on my jealousy of your open communicative relationship well more i mean just about your relationship um, or the jealousy, whatever. Yeah, I'd um, like to hear about the jealousy. Uh, I wouldn't say... Look, I mean, historically, if I was to be pretty upfront about this, I'm, historically, Margot's been something of the jealous type or something of the um, untrustworthy type. And I don't know if I'd necessarily sowed some seeds early on in the relationship that created that, but I think it comes from... That's kind of just Margot's character to a, to a, a certain extent. We've had issues earlier on in our relationship that were born out of those feelings of lack of trust or inadequacy, I think. Uh, but I would also say that our relationship's come a long way since then and that even when we went to Thailand and Laos, and there was that girl that I thought that I would end up doing something with. Mm-hmm. And this is after I'd proposed to Margot, by the way. Yes. And I came back and I admitted this stuff to Margot. Oh, did you tell her all about that? I told her about it. I didn't know that. Oh, and there was, I mean, and then she told me some stuff that had been years that oh. she hadn't let me know. Right. Off the back of that. Okay. So it was almost like this moment of being really honest in a way that was like, this is kind of brutal to have to tell you this, but this happened nothing actually happened but i did have these thoughts but that led to me thinking about you and like what we have is like really quite special and that i'm i'm being very serious about this and yada yada and it made us feel a lot closer um so whilst i don't really touch on it because i think from the past i've known my god does get jealous about these things or it's 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 kind of like tempting fate um, I do think I've probably got more leeway to have these kind of open conversations about things like this or even sexuality because Margot's now used to it more so or she she understands that it's how honest I am about these things and but that we do have a very strong and I mean, I want to say sacred relationship. More so even to the fact yesterday that we ended up having a big conversation when it was becoming pretty obvious to me that she was quite overwhelmed. 
And that's actually coming back to what I was saying earlier, how I'm wanting to build this trust in myself that I can pick up on energies better and better now and to recognize it and openly acknowledge it. And I picked it up with Margot yesterday. I'm like, I'm sitting here across from you at the table. We're about to start work. And I just want to say, like, it's obvious to me that there's something going on with you. And I want you to talk to me about it. She's like, no, there's nothing going on, Mimor. And, you know, fucking 10 minutes later, she's bawling her eyes out. And it's just like, yeah, okay, great. So each time it just takes me a little bit of like tapping, 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 knocking at the door. I'm pretty adamant about it. And then I eventually get you to start opening up. Mm. And um, speaking to, about the rat race earlier, that was what it kind of came back to. Yeah. The feeling of pressure mm. and the... Uh, and the um, comparisons. And it's really amazing, actually, the last couple of... I want to say weeks. The last couple of weeks with her has been somewhat eye-opening for... I mean, for me as well, but she started to open up a bit more and recognize she's like, you know, this <clears throat> The relationship that we share, she's taught me so much and given me so much confidence in myself and also just through watching her as a role model at building her own business and running it so successfully and watching the drive that she has and the persistence with it has rubbed off on me so well but in the opposite way for her learning to get more in touch with herself emotionally and recognize when she might have feelings of inadequacy or anxiety and and to acknowledge them and, and ask why am I having those feelings and then also even more so recently, the diplomacy to have in interacting with people. Because that's the element that I feel like I've brought to her business, which mm. she's recognized pretty quickly. She's like, you can, she gets frustrated with dealing with people. And I say, you really want to stop for a moment and recognize that not everyone's like you mm. in these things that you do with people, like these administrative tasks that you set for people to give you certain amount of information for visa applications and things like that and migration services. You don't understand maybe that for me, if you were to give this task to me, I'd fucking hate it. Mm. I fucking hate the idea of collecting all my information. Like I'm a robot and like all my life is just can be contained on, on a, a multitude of documents and that I'm to then give them to you. Like, that's overwhelming to me. Anyway, so... I'm actually going through this at the moment. Yeah, you're going through it. It's fucking terrible. It's terrible for you, but Katarina doesn't seem half bad at it. Yeah, because... They're like that. Well, there's a lot more at stake. Well, that's the thing. For both of them, there's a lot at stake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I I can kind of recognize that. For anyone who's really takes it seriously, like, to migrate to Australia... We're citizens here. Like, we don't have half an idea... Well, I've got half an idea now, but we didn't have half an idea of what it took for other people and what their life must have been like to them move here. Anyway, this is off. Well, this is a side. No, it's an interesting conversation though, but yeah. Um, But she's recognized, and this is even dealing yesterday, her dealing with the mechanic that gave us the roadworthy certificate for the Mazda and me dealing with the girl who bought the Mazda from us within three, four days of them buying the Mazda, there were issues with it. They've called us. They said, hey, these fucking issues have arisen with the car. What the fuck's going on? The radiator's blown up, blah, blah, blah. And I ended up talking and dealing with the girl, even though she was interacting with Margot and speaking a whole bunch of Spanish, Mm. 
we've had to sort out to get a mechanic to look at the car to diagnose it's a radiator and it's this and it's also a new battery that it needs and this is going to be an extra $700 worth of work and and I ended up taking the phone from her saying look originally I wanted to split the cost 50-50 but now that I'm talking to you and considering your position this sucks that you've just received a new car and now you're having to spend an extra $700 on it and that's a bit bullshit and we should really cover 90% of the costs and you cover 10% of the costs because I've been in your position before and I, I actually want to give this to you and also show that this is a, a gesture of goodwill. And when I hung up the phone and Margot had been sitting there, she's like, you handled that like a fucking pro. She's like, how do you do that? And I'm like, it didn't seem anything great to me, but it was just wanting to try put myself in the other person's shoes. An hour and a half later, she tried the same thing with the mechanic and the mechanic was like, why the fuck did you give us a one-star review on the, this, that, blah, blah, blah. And um, I'm like, this is not an easy thing you're about to do, but this guy's about to call you and you're going to have to try and explain your actions to him. And I just want to write on a piece of paper that you can kind of take a look at. I personally, for you, Margot, would first try to recognize what the other person has done well, maybe rather than shit all over them and act from a point where you are. Anyway, all this stuff, this ended up being, you know, this is an ongoing process for Margot and it is, um, it is strengthening our relationship because it's bringing an element to Margot that I saw in myself that I thought was really lacking in her early on that she's really starting to blossom into. Mm. So that's... Um, I that's, was... Yeah. Uh, sorry, I was more... I, I was having more fun with the conversation about the... Uh, Sexuality? sexuality i know i just wanted to that was, uh, that was something i know but this, this is really something boring. is it uh, fair enough <laughs> fair enough the uh this but this has been something that's been um no it's not boring it's um not uh, i i thought we were going to go down that path we can go down the sexuality i mean i'm, I'm happy to go down it, I wanted but, to hear uh, more it was just something exciting for me though that's it's something important that's happened for us yeah that's like when you see someone and you meet them and you start to get to know them and you're like they seem completely deficient in a certain area, mm, mm. almost to the point where it just rubs you the wrong way. Mm. This is something where it's starting to change slowly. Like, you know, in leaps and bounds at different moments, but it's really coming to the surface at the moment mm. because it's such an element that seems to be creating unhappiness or a lack of meaning for Margot. And it's like, mm. yeah, we can, we can work on this. This is, mm. this is my speciality. Yeah. Or this is at least a strength for me. Mm. Um, terms of sexuality at the moment after the baby there is a a lack thereof yeah what about like fantasies dreams that kind of stuff or are you do you feel safe in having this conversation it's tricky um mm. I think in time, I will want to be a little more careful about how open and honest I am about discussing something that is between Margaret and myself. Even though, in theory, I feel like it should just be all open. Yeah. That's what, at least what we want to get to. We want to get to, but I mean, I can sit here and recognize that without having Margot here in amongst the conversation it's a bit bullshit for me to just go run my mouth about it. Well, it's an interesting one because like your dreams are, are your dreams. You know, your fantasies are your fantasies. And 
It's a tricky one. Like, they will offend her potentially if if that's what you're talking. If that's what you're talking about, it's. But I it's almost know. like in order to get to where we want to get to, that needs to happen. I know. I know. <laughs> it's inevitable. Like it's. It's. I'd be in denial, or I'd be lying if I said that it wasn't an important component of my life. But I will admit that I think about a month ago I did have quite a sexually charged dream and then I came to and um, it was about an old friend who I haven't seen for years but who I was really close with, who I think about probably weekly, not in a sexual way, but in a like I miss that person's friendship because it meant a lot to me. Tina Lafides, if you're listening to this. <laughs> What's the likelihood that she's listening to Not this? Not at all. Um, no, no funny enough, she ended up, she's now dating, uh, or at least what I know of, she's now dating my na- ex-neighbor. Uh, AD. Yeah. What's his name? Richard? Did you meet him? No. No, okay, right. <laughs> Zoot, though, I've got to tell, I don't know if I've told Zoot that, but it's so random that I must have introduced them and then... I think it might have been a year or two that went by and then they started dating. Mm. And it's funny Were to you, think... Did you date this girl? No, 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 no. I didn't date her. Um, she was uh, just a really good friend of mine and I don't know why we became such good friends in the first place, but uh, she was a fucking legend that I just feel like... Knowing how many people almost revere her, I don't know if that's the right word, or, or respect her, or have, or her, who like her so much and want to be around her, and to know that she, the way that she shared herself and her life with me at moments, makes me feel pretty special. Right. But I mean, that's an aside, and I just had a, a sexual dream about her at some point, and mm. um, it was pretty hot and everything. But honestly, like back in the day didn't feel like that nor did i care about that because of how special the relationship was anyway Mm. um but when we were up in queensland only two or three nights ago um having a conversation out the back with rodrigo i was what's it called um like reliving some memories in conversation mm. about my time on cruise ships mm. and uh thinking back to those um sexual encounters i had with people on cruise ships and how lustful they were and how exciting they were at the time mm. yeah hectic yeah yeah this, it, I don't know. Yeah, it just seems like an element of my life that is now changed. I was thinking about this recently because, as I told you, I've had a few of these dreams recently and they're so stimulating. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> word erotic, right? They're so, exi- so erotic. And it's like, okay, because I'm in a long-term relationship now and, yes, whilst every now and then we have we have pretty amazing um, relations, <laughs> let's say. Uh, what are you, Christian? <laughs> Does that mean that I'm never going to be, 
never ever going to experience that the erotic nature of being with someone new the excitement of that like does it mean that i'm not and another question is does it mean that i should never i should never do it again should never consider it as a spirit as a spiritual man who wants to live a, a full life and explore everything i possibly can is it is it just sort of stupid is it ignorant of me to think that i can live a full life for the rest of my life with with this just being something that's suppressed suppressed i guess yeah or just something that's like kept kept at bay i think this desire i think the obvious answer is that it's a conversation with a partner i think that's just the reality that you can't get past yeah and um personally for me that feels uh, like there's a potential of breaking something that is sacred a little but when it's a converse yeah breaking like a trust um but in breaking the trust you can actually form a newfound trust that's potentially stronger you're right i think you're right i feel like i feel like with this there's no way of not hurting someone but just because you're hurting someone it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not a way to strengthen the relationship. Like I think that about that. I think about that with Katarina sometimes, or even me just staying away, staying away, being traveling on my own and spending time away from her. You know, part of that hurts her when I don't contact her, when I spend time away from her. But I, I, I actually really strongly believe that with the pain that she sits with by maybe by potentially thinking that oh maybe josh doesn't want to be with me why does josh want to spend time away from me in that she actually grows and i and by depriving of her of that which i feel like a lot of people do with their other halves you're depriving the other person of an opportunity to grow oh dude yeah you preach into the choir now yeah i think like I'm having a personal battle with this recently or let's say reflections on this because now it's not simply a long-term partner but it's also a child at home mm. and like my first child mm. and so there's almost like this uh, reflection of guilt to think uh, should I be at home spending time with Darius right at this moment or is it all right that I go take this time away to fuck, even just like go walk in the park and smoke a joint? Or let's say I go to PCYC and I train there and I, or my brothers said yesterday, hey, do you want to come to Yes Gym Fitness? We're going to train at four o'clock. And like they can just do that because they, they don't have any anyone they're responsible to or anything outside of work at that moment. So they, you know, they want to go train and that's great. That's amazing. I was doing that. But now it's like, oh, I need to be around for Margot or I need to be around for Darius. And it's not even that, you know, a conversation two weeks ago from Margot was, I feel the distance. Like I feel like we're two strangers living in a house, trying to raise a child together, trying to run a business together, but there's nothing beyond that. And it was hectic. Uh, it was, uh, hec- it was, 
very refreshing. It was very raw to hear that and to discuss it because I couldn't deny it. Um, but yeah, you know, to come back to it, I still feel like how sacred and important it is to uphold the individuals that make up a relationship or a family or a group. But it's like, how do you so how do you solve that problem? Because you're living together, but you're distant. So it, by communicating, there is a resolution there. But at the same time, there need, I feel like there needs to be some distance as well. Like even more distance. Even more distance. Well, I mean, if you're feeling distant, I feel like th- this is what I feel. I feel like when I'm at home and I'm distant, there's two things that I could do. There's, well, there's three things. There's continue to be that way and just ignore everything. There's communicate and try to find closeness or there's get even more distant and get away from everything for a while. Even though that's the most, probably the most hurtful thing, it can actually be just as beneficial as the communication. Because sometimes even within the communication, I feel like there's nothing to be, at this point when there's it's so charged, there's nothing to be gained from, from the communication. Yeah, I understand the point that you're raising. And um, for me at this point, or for me at this time, for example, today, mm-hmm. I will go home and rather than prioritizing strong, like creating some new content for Strong Anatomy or um, looking up some things on YouTube or just chilling out or whatever. It's like, I actually want to go home and ask Margot, like, you know, what do you want to do today with Darius before she goes off to a party later this afternoon? Um, You know, I want to, after a conversation like that, for me, I've got to come out here with you this morning. I exercised early this morning as well by myself. Mm. Um, I know that family time is important and like wanting to appreciate the bond that we're all sharing now together the three of us. So I do understand like, I'm starting to appreciate the gravity of the situation and that to go home and get to do something and go out for a walk or something even a little bit more interesting than that maybe, not that it has to be, with Margot is something that will make me feel it was a significant day in my life today. Have you have you thought of what a conversation would look like if you just decided you wanted to spend a week somewhere else? Like even if you had a business conference, for example. That no, you would, I haven't like, considered it. I know what you're talking about because you've talked about this with me a few times. It's, it's just an interesting thing to consider because, you know, you've got men out there, you've got fathers out there that they, they run businesses or, you know, they're very important and they, they travel a lot. And it's excusable, like the the woman will the the mother will be like yeah go of of course you need to go it's business mm. i'll look after the child the children potentially and yeah when you come back we'll we'll go from there but i wonder what that conversation looks like for margaret i think yeah. we could organize it that it would work i don't think it's necessarily that hard yeah i think for example just you know practically speaking my aunt coming on one day to give Margot a few breaks to do a few bre- uh, hours break to do some work. Mm. Um, my mum coming on another day 
even leave visiting on another day. Um, fuck, I don't know, like, if we were to reach out to Skandarasi and be like, hey, can you come over for a couple hours, like, and you can cook with all our food or something, I don't know, like, but just to give Margaret a few more hours break. The hard part is then having her, having to sleep and take care of the baby every night. It's a bit of a, it's hectic to consider the solo mission because it's, it's hard with the baby. Yeah. It is hard. It's, it's a lot of hands on. So many women do it though, where, where the men are just yeah. out of the, relatively out of the picture. I know, but, and for Margot, the hard part is that she's choosing to run this business mm. and it is a lot of work. And even with me involved, it's a bit of work. It's a bit of work, but I do, yeah, I, that's the part that I start to, that's the part where I start to um, lean back and be like, you're making it a lot of work. Like you're, yeah. you're getting super involved with this. And let's say if, if this business makes X amount of money at the moment, what does it look like and how much are you working when it makes twice as much? Because this business is still early in its infancy if you have the success in vision for this thing, what does it look like? How busy are you going to be? But yeah, you know, coming back to it, I, uh, I am excited for that next period that I'll have to take four or five days break. We just go. I don't know. Fuck. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, shit, maybe if it take, maybe it's, maybe it'll be when we move up to Queensland and how else are we going to get the Volvo up there? Yeah. I'm going to drive that bad boy up there and I think for the baby, that'd be fucking crazy to take the baby in the car. Wouldn't be crazy, but it's just going to be like, well, Margot, I think you should fly up and spend a few days maybe with the Mexicans. Yeah. Well, that's like, you could even take Darius for a few days on your own. Eventually. Like when she stops breastfeeding. Oh, yeah. I'd be happy to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it can go both ways. Well, today, for example, like she's going to a party before we go out for dinner tonight and I'm like, yeah, give me the baby. Yeah. Like yeah, and you can go to this party by yourself in Port Port Melbourne. Like, yeah. what does it matter? If, if you were to just milk yourself enough and give me enough frozen packets of milk, you could fuck off for two days. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Well, yeah, but she it, it doesn't compute for her. She's and like, oh, you I can can't sort do of that. exchange it, as in you can go two two days off, two days off, and yeah, like, I'd be are, fine for that. Yeah, she just yeah. have to start milking herself like a cow, though. <laughs> how long? How much longer does he have to be on milk for? You can start Best feeding him in a month and a bit. Oh, so, so in about a month not, we can. Is, so in not much time. Oh no, no, no! He'll still be feeding breast milk for probably months after that. Three, oh, okay. four, five months after that, okay. maybe up until a year. But you start giving carrot mushed up, mushed up zucchini, and all that shit. Maybe this is going to be a traditional view, but I, I really believe that within the first year of a baby's life, the woman should be like really devoted towards. You know, always being around to feed, um, and like not working, and you know that's the job. I, I can really, understand. I, I really, I, re- I really believe that, and not in a traditional way. Just in that, I, I believe that every animal does it, and it just seems like that should that should be the the the. That should that should be so important to a female in the first year, and I think it's got lost in our society. But in the first yeah. year of the baby's life, they literally need the breast milk, and they need it every day, multiple times a day. Mm. I feel like that should be a sole focus, 
and it, and and you know women are, a lot of women are going to say yeah but what a, i need to run a business i need to i need to work i need to do this and i'm like relax it'll all it'll all be okay mm. you know even if you're uh, even if you're a single mom like there's the the government will take care of you for the first year or the, you know in, in some way but i don't know i just feel like maybe it's more complicated than what i'm saying and i'm missing something but i just feel like women are stressing out a lot about money and about business when it's like you've got a fucking baby that is developing so quickly and in need of not just milk but love yeah i think about this a bit um i mean i don't know if it's hypocritical or ironic that i work in margot's business which is doing really well but I sit across from her and I look at Darius when he starts getting cranky, kicking around on a day. And I think, you know, you really should just stop the work. Tell me the extra things that need to be done and I'll do as much as I can and take him for a ride in the stroller. Because mm. he's looking at you and yeah, I, can, I feel like I can at least recognize like there are things happening within him that we couldn't even begin to comprehend that are important and you laying the foundations of spending more time with him on a week basis and not just when it's outside of work hours. I think it's pretty important. Yeah. Uh, particularly for your relationship with him as well. And yeah. And there, and his feelings of love and his feelings and his, you know, self-esteem, confidence, all that kind of stuff yeah. comes from love. I feel like no, no point in human history have, women been so neglectful <laughs> this is going to sound so harsh have women been so neglectful of babies because of this need to to pursue mm, things yeah because at, at any point in human history you would have had the, the woman would have been nursing the baby yeah but margot's a special case and there's a lot of women who are a special case but i think there's a lot of women as well who get to take a big chunk of time off yeah and it's awesome i think i think it's awesome as well yeah um yeah, I don't know. I guess it's, I mean, shit, like right at this moment, I'd love to have a number of women chiming in to tell me about their time off and how it's impacted their life, even moving forward. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I was going to say is I don't think the problem just comes from women. It probably comes from men as well, where the the, the family or the the essence of, of masculine masculinity and femininity is, is lost and... You don't have men that are that once they impregnate women, they're they're like, I'm going. You need to relax. You need to take care of yourself. You need to take care of the baby, and I'm gonna go out and f take care of everything you need to support the baby and oh, to support yourself. Like that stable household is sort of lost, and that I think that uh, reduces confidence that that women have in themselves. Or the women have in in that in their homes to be able to support themselves and the baby, and then they feel the need to to work, and then then that causes neglect, and then you have a fucking epidemic of babies growing out with growing up without any love, self love. Anyway, I've got to go pretty much now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, let's hope that I can remember. I want to. I think we'll end up touching on it next time, but I had um, other things that I wanted to talk about. Very exciting. Yeah. The messages. Yeah, just the... Oh. Nathan, man. Yeah, right.
All fucking right. cool. Thanks for tuning into the Conscious Ambition podcast. Uh, a lot of, if you got to the end, yeah. If you got to the end, if you even got past the the start of talking mad shit, good on you. We pre- we really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Continue to listen. Tell your friends, and uh, feedback is always appreciated. Which we have received next to zero of at this point. <laughs> we we do keep asking for it. And we do we keep asking for repeatedly it. Repeatedly get nothing in re- in response, but I assume it's because nobody gets to the end of these podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. But if you do. Well done to you. We'll see you next time.